This is Henry Kennedy. I'm the executive director of Kiev Wabas Education. You're listening to the Quest Podcast, stories from Dermascotta Lake. Kiev Wabas has been here for about 100 years, so we headed out to talk with some of our alumni to hear some of their stories and share them with you. I'm sitting here today with Pris Watson, and um, Pris, why don't you introduce yourself sure. and let us know when you were at camp. My past maiden name, who can remember married names? Mm-hmm. We all know each other by our maiden names, was Limbert, and I first came to camp in 1951, and I was a camper 51, 52, 53, and 54. I came the day I turned eight. Wow. And from then on, it seemed like I always had a birthday cake at camp. I had the first birthday cake of any of the campers because I was usually coming on the day that camp opened. <laughs> and I skipped a whole lot of years because of horses. Mm-hmm. I was one of those horse crazy kids. Mm-hmm. I had my pony, then I had my show horse, and that kept me going until my junior year in high school. And I retired my show horse. He had shin splints, mm-hmm. like some of us get. Mm-hmm. And I started my first of six years as a counselor. Ah, okay. And I was a counselor for six years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then fast forward into the uh, early 90s, and oh, the yeah. camp had uh, closed for, what is it, about, about 20 years? 20 years it was closed. Yeah, yeah. From the mid-70s until the mid-90s, and, and you were one of the instrumental people in restarting the camp. Why don't you tell us a little bit? How that all about happened? Camp, camp yeah. Wavis, Yeah, how, how Wavis was reborn, so yeah, to speak. That... It's such a unique story. It really is. I must give credit to Al Railsback. Mm-hmm. He was the first real director of the Damascotta Lake Watershed mm-hmm. Association, mm-hmm. DLWA. And he knew that there were a fair number of Wavis people on the lake. Many had bought cottages, built cottages, and so on. And he heard that the property was going to be up for sale. In total. Mm-hmm. And nobody wanted, I mean, this is when the building codes were basically non existent, I guess. Mm-hmm. And who wanted condos? I mean, I'm being facetious a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Al got a hold of a couple of us and said, Look, this is what we hear. This is the scenario. We'd like to save this piece of property. Do you think you can do something? And the Wavis alum actually were very, very excited. And it was a real grassroots movement. Uh, we had our first reunion at Janie Huntsman McKean's house up in Camden. And I think there were, there were at l- over 200 people. Wow. Now, over 200 people. Huh. And it was like just a grand event. I mean, the Westies came, the owners, you know, mm-hmm. previous. And from there, we started raising the money to buy the property. Mm-hmm. And it was a nickel-dime type of capital campaign, it really was, with some other very generous donors. Lead gifts, right. Yep. And we finally, I, I, I don't really know how many years it took to raise the money, but um, the owners of the property, I think, gave us an extra year because mm-hmm. we put some money down. And finally, we were able to buy the property. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what we were going to do with it. I mean, we had big <laughs> dreams, yeah. but it took every nickel yeah. you know, that we had. Mm-hmm. But at least it wasn't going to be developed. Right. Oh, exactly. And that was the key. Yeah. 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 So the, the transition 
was from a bare piece of property that had literally been stripped. Mm-hmm. People had come in and taken whatever they wanted to take. Yeah. I think our dishes were over at Chewankee. Huh. I mean, it was weird. Cabins were all over the place. Um, and what was left was in really, you can imagine, really bad condition. Mm-hmm. So we were able to start it as a day camp. Seven weeks of a day camp, I believe, and a different week had it. Each week had a different theme. Mm-hmm. My daughter was actually one of the uh, first day campers. Day campers, yeah, yeah. Her second grade teacher was an amazing teacher who uh, was a science teacher, and she uh, she was a Pied Piper, and so she uh, so Blair, and, and plus I was very excited about uh, Wabas's rebirth, rebirth, and a place that my daughter maybe could go and, uh, <laughs> on the lake, <laughs> on the lake, yeah. And so uh, that's that's such a great story. It it really is. I mean, it was written up in a couple of places as. One of the few times they'd ever heard. Most of the camps that went out are developed. Right. Are developed. Exactly. Very right. few. I, I don't know of another main story where the alumni mm-hmm. actually were able to buy the property back. You no, know, you're right. When I uh, I remember back in the 80s, uh, we had gotten a ton of letters. We being my dad, 70s and 80s and 90s about wanting to buy the land here. And say thank, thanks, but no thanks, as yeah. we had yeah. been through a similar kind of a transition in the 70s when my grandparents died. And, uh, you know, luckily at that point, we became a nonprofit to save the place. Oh, yeah. The Kennedy family knew what to do. Yeah. So that, that is a great success story. And then it, fast forward a little bit further. So that was probably the mid-90s. That was the mid-90s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I remember um, we started to talk about uh, merging our two organizations. You guys had had sort of run out of cap. Oh, we had real financial problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had to rebuild because our dream was a residential camp, not a day camp. And the first building that was rebuilt was what we called the Girls' Lodge, Andrews Hall. And that didn't put us under. It was the dining hall, mm-hmm. Jewel Lodge, right? that really did it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we needed it desperately. And, you know, what you did was such a beautiful job. And so, you know, there's, I guess everything d- does sort of happen for a reason. Reason. And, and you know, eventually... Silver lining. Yeah. You know, Kiev and Wavis did um, form a little committee and we started to do a dance together and yeah. we, uh, yeah. we got along. And uh, and so, in, in, I think it was uh, July 1st, 2005... We uh, merged the two organizations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I think of the number of kids on campus now, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. It really is. And in 2005, so this will be our 15th summer uh, together. How about that? And so we began working together, and we uh, raised some more dough, and we uh, built built out all the cabins. Built out everything. The very first summer, 2006. Matter of fact, there was a woman sitting right where you're sitting now uh, a week ago that was one of our 2006 campers. No kidding. Yeah, so really? I interviewed her as an, uh, one of our first campers. Oh, my. Yeah. So here we are 15 years later. And uh, so the first year we had, I think, 200 girls. Uh, now we're up to uh, nearly 600 girls. I know. It doesn't seem... <laughs> possible <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and you know obviously more than just the sheer numbers the uh, the depth of uh of feeling that these girls these young women have for this place and what it's doing for them is uh really um what the dreams were. well what i liked because it's what so many of us did mm-hmm. was i skimmed through the staff in the beginning of the summer in june just out of curiosity and it's the number who are now counselors mm. who were campers right 
that's what I love to see, the, that continuity. Exactly. And it took a while to get there. Oh, it will, because you have to start from scratch. Yeah. And we had uh, you know a few different directors over the years, and it just takes a while for everything to gel. And I think we, we really have come to a place now where um, where we're going to... We Actually, the, the Boavis Camp for Girls filled before Kiev Camp for Boys did yeah, last year. Yeah, we cheered. <laughs> we cheered. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so when you think of your time at camp, what immediately comes to mind? Well, first of all, the one question I thought was interesting prior to that yeah. was how did I how did we come? Mm-hmm. Because it's so different. I think you send buses to the airport now. Mm-hmm. When I first came to camp that first day, I started in Grand Central Station in New York, mm-hmm. and that's where you started. I mean, every all these kids, thousands of kids. This I can remember mm-hmm. in Grand Central Station, mm-hmm. looking for their camp sign and their counselors, ah. and everybody came to camp by train. And you shipped your trunks weeks ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And unlike today, I remember my mother sitting at night sewing name tags on. Mm -hmm. I would cut them for her, Mm -hmm. you know, because they came in a sheet, I guess. And she would sew these things on. And I still have a blanket. It's in Utah. An old, old blanket that has one of those name tags Uh. on it. So I'll, I'll I'll never be allowed to forget the chore that it was. No, exactly. I'm sure we had to switch trains in Boston and we'd get to Maine and they'd come and get us in probably the open air bus, mm-hmm. which defies all description and was not allowed, on, would not be allowed on the road today. Uh-huh. I, I'm sure we have some pictures somewhere yeah, of we the do. open air bus. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was really that was cool. part of our whole... Uh, you know, we're getting ready at the two camps to turn 100, 100. of course. So we'll be... Uh, uh, we beat you. Yeah, that you, that you did. <laughs> um, so when you first think about your time at Wabas, what do you think about? What comes to mind? What comes to mind? The fun. Mm-hmm. I was only eight. All these new kids. But learning so many new things. Mm-hmm. Not that my parents didn't expose us to a lot. But how many girls' camps had a rifle range? Hmm. I mean, we had a pool in our backyard, but I really learned to swim here. Mm-hmm. It started a lifelong enjoyment of tennis. I mean, this is where my tennis started, hmm. which I'm playing again tomorrow. That is huge, swimming. Mm-hmm. But probably the biggest impact, we wouldn't have the cottage on the lake mm-hmm. if it hadn't been for camp. Right. And Bill always said, you know, you wouldn't look at any other lake. We wanted a summer home because New Jersey's so hot in the summer, and I had off. I was a teacher, so I had all summer off, mm-hmm. but you, couldn't, you wouldn't look at any other lake. And I said, of course not. <laughs> and it had to be that end of the lake, not this end of the lake. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. You told me of the story of uh, your dad, and um, when the camp closed, uh, yeah. what your dad did with some of the—you talked about how uh, a lot of the cabins and a lot of things disappeared from, disappeared. from the campus. And uh, But tell us about what your dad did oh, when, yeah. after the camp closed. One of the real traditions of camp was council fire, and you earned your social point. And that's where all the feathers come from. If you see pictures— of the Wawanock girls, it was feathers, headdresses. And if you earned your social point for the week, you got a different colored feather. And you were always excited. What color was the feather going to be? I mean, simple things today. You know, you don't hear about that today. Sure. What color is a feather going to be? And the boys had leather 
bracelets, which they had little studs on. And it was public humiliation if you didn't get your feather because you're sitting at council fire and everybody knew. (laughs) So you had done something that wasn't great. I must say I never lost my feather. Good. And also at council fire, stories were told, the history of camp, that type of thing. There was always a little program and then always a lot of singing. Always a lot of singing. Hmm. We even had a song that we sang going to Council Fire with our Indian blankets and with our feathers. Mm -hmm. And the boys had similar traditions with their Council Fire. Mm -hmm. So probably the highlight of Council Fire was the saying of the rays of the totem. And that was our totem pole. And the rays, each one, was a lesson in life. That's about the best way to put it. And... When camp closed, that totem pole just stood out there. So it really took a beating through the years. I mean, I think it started, I'm sure, in the 20s, late 20s. It was just anchored in the ground on the Anchored in the ground at the head of council fire. Right. But my sister and I, and any time we met other Wavis people, we always talked about the raise of the totem and the council fire and council fire and yada, yada, yada. So my father and I'm not sure if this is true, got permission to take this baby. <laughs> I don't think he did. And our neighbor and dad, here at, our neighbor here at the lake, took the boat down one night with a chainsaw, sawed the council fire off, the whatever totem. type of yeah. base it was on, <laughs> and dragged it, towed it down the lake. And I was out shopping, food shopping, I know, because it was Fourth of July weekend, I'm pretty sure. Dad and Mom were down. And I come back, and there it is, planted at the cottage. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. Everybody knew yeah. but me. Yeah. Even Bill knew. Oh, what a great what surprise. Because he had taken it back to the farm and had redone it. Oh, I see. Um, over that winter. Uh, so he had taken it in the fall, and he repaired it to, you know, over that winter. <laughs> and I think in all the years, Bill and I did some work on it maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And when it was put back, it was put on a concrete base with a spike up it. Oh, I see. So it can be taken in Mm. during the winter. So it's not going to take the beating that it did all of those years. You know, here we are 15 years into the current iteration of Wabas, and it is still there. It's still there. And we repainted and used wood concrete. Is there such a thing as wood hardening or something in the cracks and all of that thing? Probably so, yeah. And I think it'll last. And they still do council fire. They sure do. And they still have the rays of the totem. So that's a good thing. Yeah. No, you guys have been great about uh, carrying on these traditions, and that's part of what we want to do with these podcasts is making sure. Yes, make sure oral history. Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. And then uh, originally, how did your family first find Wavis? I grew up in a relatively small suburban town in New Jersey. I think there were only about 6,500, seven, not much bigger today. And one of the doctors in town that everybody went to, his family has, have roots in Jefferson. Hmm. And I think he might have gone to Bates okay. with Chief Andrews, who was the founder of the camp. I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. And if you were going to go to camp, and I know there were kids older than I were, you know, who went in the mid to late 40s. Mm-hmm. If you were going to camp, that's where you went. Great. A couple of the doctors sent their kids up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wrens, Dr. Tether. Oh, sure. A number of them yeah. were all in practice huh. in this town. And of course, that way they knew everybody. So 
If you went to camp, that's where you went. Oh, that's, uh, that's... My parents have absolutely no idea how I got this idea. I announced that I wanted to go to camp. At eight years no old? Clue. You weren't At even eight. eight yet. I was seven. You know. <laughs> they have no clue how that all happened, but here I am. <laughs> uh, how has going to Wavis impacted your life, Press? Well, I think I mentioned a couple of things before. My love of tennis, mm-hmm. that's where it started. I have an old Wavis canoe that my dad bought as part of the fundraising, mm-hmm. and he had it redone for me, and it's right down by the water. We don't have kayaks. I still have my Wavis canoe, mm-hmm. and this would hop up to when I was a counselor. Sure, That's where I really firmed up, I want to teach. Mm-hmm. I don't want to teach little kids, Mm -hmm. younger kids. I want to teach older kids Mm -hmm. because that as canoeing counselor, I usually had the older kids. So what do you do with history as a major when I went to college? Not a whole lot. But fortunately, being a counselor, teaching at camp, I said, I like this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a teacher. That is, that's a great story. And I taught for almost 40 years. Wow. So it wasn't a passing interest. Yeah. And that, yeah. that interest was developed. And I still love it today. For yeah. being, being yeah. a mentor and a counselor yeah. at Wallace. Yeah. So why is the camp experience important today for kids? Independence. Mm-hmm. A break from social media. A break from their parents at times. Mm-hmm. They might not know it, but I think they need a break from the kids at times too. Mm-hmm. But we saw this in schools about 25 years ago starting, Mm -hmm. where the parents, I'm not going to use the strong word helicopter parenting, Mm -hmm. but the kids will get bailed out. They didn't have to cope. They didn't have to problem solve social relationships. They didn't have to deal with the teachers themselves. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking on a middle and high school level, not first and second grade. Sure. And I think camp, you learn to get along. You learn to be to a certain extent, probably a team player. But that was more so when I was young because now they're all on teams. Mm -hmm. Girls didn't do that in New Jersey when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. But I really think just the independence. Mm -hmm. I really do. Right. When I talk to people, especially out in Utah, where unless you're coming from New England, you mean your parents let you go for eight weeks? Mm. I said, oh, yeah. That was a good thing yeah. to have to deal yourself exactly right, and figure things out, mm-hmm. especially with social relationships yeah. and not only your peers, but with, you know, your adult supervisors. You have told me about some of your um, oh, yeah. favorite memories. And what are some of your other memories from camp? Other than council fire, getting my bronze medal. Mm-hmm. I thought I was hot stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they had a ward assembly at the end of each season. And of course, my parents were there to see this. And I was young to get my bronze. I always wonder if I had kept going the following years, would I have been a gold medaler? I think maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't know for sure. Because yeah. that was quite an achievement. I was 11 when I qualified for the canoe trip. I think I was the youngest on the trip. Mm-hmm. So... That was something to write home about. Yeah. Well, do you remember what trip it was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so minimal compared to what they do today. I, we paddled to the end of the lake. Yeah. And I'm not sure how we negotiated this. I think the open-air bus came, and it was a three- or four-day trip, came and got us. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. Somehow we had to 
go from water to water, but it wasn't in Great Salt Bay, I don't think. No, it was probably we we did the same trip when I was eleven. Strangely enough, we uh, we would go to the um, to the north end of the lake up near you guys. Let me think about this. Um, See, I'm at the other end. Yeah, so you're you were you started at the north, and then um, so yeah, we would then go over into Pemaquid Lake. Oh, Pemaquid Lake. Yeah, okay. Pemaquid Lake. And we'd paddle up Pemaquid Lake, and then we'd. Uh, make our way down through Bisky Pond and the Pemaquid River and out into the Great Salt Bay. Did you do, oh, you no, do that? No, no. Somehow we ended up in John's Bay. Yeah. Out at the on the coast. Yeah, out by uh, Pemaquid Beach. Out by Pemaquid Point. Yeah, not Pemaquid Point. Yeah, Pemaquid Harbor. Yeah. And we'd paddle up through there. And because this was 1954, I think, we camped on the beach. How great is that? How great is that? <laughs> I mean, and now, of course, it's that nice, you know, park, Bristol Park, mm-hmm. with the beach is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But, and the camps still go there for a day trip, I know. Yeah. But we actually camped there a night or two. Mm-hmm. And then the open air bus came and got us. Yeah, that, that, that sounds right. <laughs> so tell me maybe some of the other memories that you yeah, have. Yeah, I'm trying to trips. think. Um, the singing. Singing, right. Every program ended with singing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was fabulous. And I can't sing, and I still enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, my sister and I, oh my God, for years, whenever I would visit her, we'd go on a, any road trip or anything. What did we sing? Camp songs. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, it was just embedded of in course. our memory. Yeah. Yeah. And the kids, of course. I was thinking about this this morning. The real connect back to the camp kids that I knew didn't come as a camper, I think I left too young. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I left after I was 11. Mm-hmm. It was the years I was a counselor. Right. And then renewing those friendships with the rebuilding of Wavis. Right. And those are basically the people that I'm still in touch with and see. Who are some of these people, Press? Um, Mary Center Hart, mm-hmm. Lee Tyler, mm-hmm. Judy Sickley, uh, Kathleen Wilson. Yeah. The Dormans, yeah. uh, Diana Judd Stevens, wow. Jamie Ray, Peter yeah. Guile, right? Who I used to win always musical bumps with. Oh, the Saturday Night Dances. Oh, tell what me about that, Chris. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, the camp was divided into the age groups, and the juniors had their little dance, and the intermediates where we learned a square dance. Mm-hmm. But it was the senior dance, and Mrs. Andrews, I heard because I wasn't a senior. You know, I was down playing musical bumps. Uh-huh would go around with a ruler, a six-inch ruler. (laughs) I mean, they played music of the time, and like a counselor would be like what we'd call a disc jockey. I mean, it was a real dance. Sure. Every Saturday night, (laughs) we had a Saturday night dance. If she could see how the kids dance today. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) When you were a counselor, were there other trips that stand out in your mind? I was lucky. I eventually became canoeing counselor, which I loved. Mm -hmm. And by then, the trips had gotten a little bit more adventuresome for the girls. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think we were one of, of, if not the first camp, to do the Allagash. But I wasn't on that trip. That's when I was just a JC. Uh, the Westies, there was a whole group of gals, girls, campers, who went right up through the program, were gold medlers, and they're chomping at the bit. And they went up on the Allagash. Wow. And from then on, the girls did mm-hmm. the Allagash, which was, that's when... The North Woods were the North Woods. You know, they were still cutting up there. 
Um, right, and there probably wasn't weren't a lot of rangers and a lot of no, safety you couldn't. Net and, cell phones, what were they? Right, yeah, you know, yeah, or sat yeah. phones or anything. So they that is really pretty that was uh, quite a, yeah that was quite and it wasn't until I was a counselor that I really realized that the responsibility hmm. that the Andrews and then the Westies and now Kiev Wavis feels that I mean it's a huge responsibility when you're dealing and taking care of other people's children. Right. And I didn't appreciate it really maybe even until I was teaching and would take field trips. I'm responsible for these kids. Yeah. Totally just me, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. It is amazing that, you know, here these 18, 19, 20, 21 year old counselors, counselors yeah. are, are really acting as parents for these children. And then, uh, so it, I mean, you learn so much by taking these healthy risks and putting yourself out That's a good way to there. put it, a healthy risk, yeah. And, uh, and, we, and that's really what we do every single day, isn't it? Yeah. Well, anyway, up on, I'm up on the St. Croix. Mm-hmm. And the St. Croix is up on the Canadian border. I think it is the border. It is the border, yeah. The river is the border on the eastern side of Maine. And I'm not sure where we put in. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're up there for three or four days. Um, I think Dave Westy was our guide. And... My sister was on the trip. She was a senior camper at the time. And of course, you think you're in God's country. Mm-hmm. And I'm bringing up the rear. And all of a sudden, I hear, Aunt Pris, we were aunts and uncles, your father is up ahead. Uh-huh. My father is up ahead. He loved to fly fish. I see. So there he was. Yeah. And I paddled by. Hi, Dad. Bye, Dad. But who expects when you're up on the Canadian border on the St. Croix yeah. that your father is going to be up ahead? Huh. I mean, the family laughed about that for a lot of years. I bet they did. Yeah. I mean, he was out there checking up on you. Yeah, checking up on me. No, not really. <laughs> Casting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a great story. It is. Uh, and then uh, would you have advice for campers that uh, are just starting out at camp today? Whew. I guess enjoy. Mm-hmm. Learn everything you can, especially of things that you don't get to do at home. You know, learn to swim, learn to canoe, mm-hmm. get in the sailboat, um, the pottery shop. Th- this is not what most of these kids will be doing when they get home. Maybe right. they'll have a tennis lesson. I don't know. They're in team sports, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But these are individual things that you can really learn and then a lot of them are lifetime activities. Right. These are lifetime. They can develop into a lifetime passion. Right. Like the tennis and canoeing did for me. Right. So how about for kids that uh, have come through the program and are getting ready to make their way out in the world? Would you have uh, certain advice for them? Maybe just think of some of the things that you learned at camp. When I was teaching, I would stand, you know, in a tough moment when I'd be frustrated, perhaps, or coaching. I coached field hockey and volleyball for a lot of years, patience, Mm. because there was a ray of the totem. Mm -hmm. Patience, the heron must practice. That's the way it started. And I'd find myself standing up in front of that class saying to myself, patience, the heron must practice while waiting for fish for its dinner. I I mean, just little things like that, probably Mm self-confidence. You gain the confidence that I can do this. Right. That's exactly right. I mean, we, you put one foot in front of the other, and you uh, achieve some goals, and you get the, the confidence, as you say, to, to learn that you can do anything you set your mind to. And 
you know, you, you do put yourself at, at camp in some tough situations. Yeah, and I think you fall back on those experiences. Mm-hmm. You truly do. Yeah. And I think the kids today who go to camp, I think they start out with a head start. Mm-hmm. I truly do. And we all know that now that we have the hindsight of being a little bit older than we were when we were campers, <laughs> that, you know, life is going to occasionally throw some curveballs at us. And to, to know that we have friends uh, that we can rely on in good times and in bad. Yeah, as, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lifelong friends. Lifelong Un- friends. Unconditional yeah. friends. Unconditional. Yeah. yeah. And I really think at camp, when I was there, you learned to fail at things mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And it's not such a bad thing. No, I think sometimes we learn more from our failures. Yeah, I really do. So I remember Judy Sicklight telling me she hated tennis. She wasn't good at it. She needed that those last two or three tennis points for her silver medal. And she was struggling, and she was struggling, and she was struggling. And they did, they were smart. They had occasionally substitutes. And finally, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she got her silver. Mm. And Mrs. A called her parents Mm. and told her. But she said, just the struggle to get there Mm. and then get there. (sighs) And that happens in so many instances. Right. Time and time again. Yeah. Uh, it's, and it's, it's a very simple formula, but it sure does work, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. And I think the kids going to camp today experience that more than they do in school or other areas. Right. They really do. Our name is Kiev Office Education, and this is an, a, a really critical part of a child's education. To, it truly is. Yeah, to educate the heart and really know in your soul that you can do anything you set your mind. And the coping mechanisms have been developed. Mm -hmm. And it's not a false Mm self-image. It's a true self-image. Right. It's not based on every kid gets a trophy syndrome, Mm -hmm. which I think is fabulous. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? Any other, uh, anything at all? You know, our cottage is fairly close to camp. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can even hear it. (laughs) Yeah. If the wind's blowing yeah. the right direction. And we love going out on the lake in the boat. And we'll always go, not always when we go, but we'll always head north, almost always, and go up past camp. And you see the kids out on the paddle boards or out in the sailboats or down on the swim dock. Mm-hmm. It's really great. It truly is. You know, you mentioned that your your cabin is close to the to the camp. And uh, I'm going over there for lunch today because we have a, another group called Love Your Brain that's there. These are... Uh, people that have have brain injuries. Oh, wow. And so maybe just talk for a second about, you know, for probably six months of the year, there are people on that campus that that are literally also having life-changing experiences. Oh, wow. I mean... How great... Is that was part of your... Um, sort of excitement and motivation for restarting this place? Wasn't just for the camp? No, it wasn't just for camp. It was really looking to other ways to bring people on campus Mm -hmm. and to give them this outdoor experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we were as definitive as we can be today mm-hmm. um, because the programs have developed over the years. But we just knew we wanted more people, especially adults, who might never have had a chance mm-hmm. for this type of experience. Yeah, I mean, when you set foot on that property, oh, something happens gorgeous. to you, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. When camp was dead, when Wabas was not in session, my sister and I would always take a canoe every summer mm. and go over and come up and through the cove and walk the campus. Probably cry yeah. because it looks so bad. Yeah. But, you know, we could almost hear 
you know, the sounds that had been camp. But it was it was sad and it was bittersweet. And then when you and thinking back, when you asked me about memories, it's with the cry of the loons. Right. It was the water, being on the water, in the water, hearing the water. Mm-hmm. And the I, water. I still, when we come in April, yeah. we always come in April uh, to open the cottage before the black flies and mm-hmm. the bugs and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I say, I want to hear a loon. I want to hear a loon. Yeah. Because they're back by then. Yes. And I always think it's a good omen. Yeah. For the camps and my summer. <laughs> if we hear, If I hear my first loons... When we're back at the end of April, beginning of May. Yeah, I mean, the sound of the loon is, uh, is really an iconic It's an like, iconic yeah. sound. Hey, thanks for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time. Praise the Lord, my boys, hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. In spirit on our hearts engraved, fond memories of Kiev. Hip, hip, rah, 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 tag, 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 sis, 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 boom, 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 ba. Kiev, Kiev, Kiev. Woo!